Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, God is good. So good. Uh, hmm. uh, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to do this because <laughs> the Lord told me to do it. And, uh, it was on my heart all week. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I look for every opportunity not to do it. <laughs> um, but um, I do not fear men. I fear the Lord. And so I want to be obedient. But um, Ivy and Myron, you know, you guys were on my heart. Mm. And uh, the words of that song that says, um, He's not, what is it? I'm sorry. <laughs> he made me a promise, and he won't stop now. And um, he's made you a promise, and he won't stop now. And so it, I was in Luke. We're, we're going to get to Acts. <laughs> That's where we're at. Um, but the Lord reminded me of Luke 5 when he said, uh, the paraplegic, and his friends took him and brought him through the roof. And Jesus said, um, because of the faith of your friends, you will be made whole. And he healed him. And so you may not have any more faith. And you may have given up. But because of the faith of your friends, God is going to honor your promise his promise to you. And so I believe it. I, I believe it. I stand on his word. It is his doing. And it's so fitting. We've been talking about healing and acts and the miracles that the Lord has done and can do and will do and has done in this body, even just this year, the miracles we've seen. And the Lord chastised me and said, why are you doubtful? of what I can do when you've seen it done already. And so we stand, <laughs> the body, um, in faith that God is going to honor his promise to you and to Myron. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We honor you, Lord God. Uh, we give it to you. We just honor you. We praise your name. We give you all the praise and glory that's due your name. You are a God that can do the impossible uh, even when we doubt. <laughs> even when we don't have the faith. Sometimes you can look at the faith of those around us and be able to perform miracles in our lives. And so we just thank you, God. We honor you, Lord Jesus for being a great God, an awesome God in our lives. We thank you for the miracles in 2023, and we thank you for the miracles that will be performed in 2024. We thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I just pray that the word falls on good ground and that our ears are opened and that we become changed individuals to the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it, y'all. 
Praise the Lord. God is faithful concerning his promises. And so we're in Acts chapter 5. Um, starting at verse 12, I don't think I'm, I'm faithful that we're going to get through all of it. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to read all of it because it's a lot to read and I don't want to take up a lot of time just reading through those scriptures. Um, but. Acts 5.12 is where we're going to start. Let me get there, first of all. There we go. Um, And so last time we talked about Ananias and Sapphira and how the Lord uh, was looking at the matters of the heart. The heart still matters. (laughs) And looking at their heart and their intentions for giving. And they weren't like uh, Barnabas, who in chapter 4 gave and did the same thing they did. but he didn't hold back any portion of it. He gave it all. And they intended in their heart to um, hold back some of it. And it was theirs. And um, as Peter said, you could have done with it what you wanted. Um, but they chose to be deceitful and say they were giving it all when they weren't giving it all. And we know what happened to them. The Lord, <laughs> they died in, the, in that moment. Um, and so even in that experience, um, the church grew. So in chapter, uh, in verses uh, 11, 10, 11, that uh, there's a great fear came from the church and heard these things. And so we're in 12, I'm sorry, so we're in 12. And so even in that moment, we're looking in 12, where the miracles and the power of the Lord was so great and the church still grew. And there was wonders and people were astonished by what was going on. And so some feared and did not join, while others feared and join the church. So we look in verses um, 14. It says the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And so here they're counting both. So that they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. And at least the shadow of Peter's passion might fall on some of them. And they had such faith that they believed that even if Peter passed by and a shadow fell on them, that they would be healed. Now, it doesn't say that they actually were healed, but they believe that if they just got close enough um, to Peter, that they would be healed. And it's not something out of the realm of possibility because they are aware of the miracles that Jesus performed. They knew that even touching the hem of his garment healed a woman. And so they presume, hey, this is the same, they have the same power that this Jesus that they talk about has. And so... We're going to, we want to get close to Peter to experience the miracles that's coming forth. And so they were excited. So the church was still young and they were new. And even after persecution, if we look in earlier verse uh, uh, in chapter four, at the persecution of the church uh, from without, and then Ananias and Sapphira were bringing issues within the church. Uh, so issues within the heart of the church that the Lord had to really uh, do away with right away. Uh, through the hands of the apostles, these miracles were performed so that others would draw to the church. And the church had a reputation for growth, as we saw in 13, verses 13 and 14. And many were drawn to them. Uh, some due to the miracles, some due to the truth of the, what the Peter and, uh, was preaching. Peter and John in particular were preaching. They, they believed, they saw, they witnessed Jesus, they witnessed his resurrection, and so they believed in the power of what they preached, and so they increasingly became added to the church. So the early church has a reputation for miracles, 
And I believe that this miracle, the miracles were tied to the purity of the church. Uh, and that is why also Ananias and Sapphira could not be in the church. They had to get rid of them because it, it began to question the purity of the church. If you could lie and be deceitful, we talked about how hypocrisy is an evil within the church. And the world, um, <laughs> one of the, uh, the greatest indictments that the church has is that there are a lot of hypocrites. And so... Uh, the Lord did not want that to be part of his early church, and so he had to get rid of that. They couldn't have hypocrisy. And so because of the purity of the church, there was spiritual power. And I think there's something to be said about the purity of the early church and the power that they experienced. God chose healing through the apostles and many healings. And it said someplace all that came were healed. And the multitude gathered around. Uh, to experience the healing power because of the purity of the church and the unity that they had. They believed they loved one another. They would do anything for one another. They shared their goods. It was not based off of a uh, threat or authorities telling them to because they loved one another. They shared. And so because of this, which we know this has happened before, uh, the Sadducees again Experiencing from uh, persecution from without the church, the Sadducees are like, hey, we can't have this going on. So in verses, uh, particularly a multitude gathered surrounding the cities of Jerusalem. So the cities of Jerusalem, Jerusalem and the cities around them began to come and gather because of the word that was being preached, the miracles that were being performed. They wanted to know about this Jesus that the apostles talked about. Because this became a threat to the Sadducees and the religious leaders, they said, we can't have this. We're going to arrest those guys again. And so instead of just arresting Peter and John, they arrested all of the apostles at this point. So we're looking at Acts 5, 17 and 18. It says the arrest and imprisonment of the apostles. So it says, but the high priest rose up along with the associates that as in the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy because um, the Sadducees were so concerned about popularity. They just wanted to be liked. They didn't care about religious order or doctrine or following a certain set, a certain belief. They really were into it for the politics of it, and they wanted to be liked by the people. And as they would sway, they would go wherever the people wanted to go, that's what they were doing. Um, and so they were filled with jealousy because this newly formed Jesus cult that they would call it, <laughs> these Jesus followers were getting a lot of publicity. People were liking what they were doing. They were being healings, and, and the word was going forth. And so in verse 18, they laid hands on the apostles, all of them, and put them in, in the public jail. And so here we have another chance that Peter and John, again, are going to jail, and the, new apostles, the other apostles are now going for the first time, I can imagine they said, here we go again. <laughs> Did they not learn from the first time? And we told them we were going to go back out and do exactly what they told us not to do. Because if you remember in verse 4, they said, hey, don't speak on this Jesus again. And they told them, we will do what the Lord tells us to do, not what you want us to do. And they let them go. And here we are again. They, they are doing what the Lord has told them to do. Many healings are done, being done. Their popularity and the church is growing, and so the Sadducees are angry and put them in jail. 
It says, but during the night, in verse 19, it says, but during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taken them uh, out, he said. So they were in jail. They laid hands on them and put them in jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. And I want to focus on the message of this life, and we're going to get back to this, because that's the, the title of my message is All the Words of This Life, and the, the New King James Version of it, but this says the message of the life, of this life. And this life is a zoe. So I'll go to the people in the temple and tell them the whole message of this zoe life. And upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about to daybreak and began to teach. So you would think, man, they just got out of jail <laughs> for teaching and preaching. And as soon as the angel of the Lord let them out, they didn't have a prayer meeting to say, hey, let, we, we need to go somewhere else. They're going to get their hands on us again and put us in jail. They weren't concerned about their life. They were concerned about doing the work of the ministry. Their lives didn't matter. They didn't go to jail again the next day. They believed in the Lord, that he would deliver them, that he would be there. And even if they stayed in jail, um, they were okay because they were doing it for a just cause. And you would see they would be excited about getting beat up for the sake of God and in the name of Jesus. So they were being obedient to what the angel said. So they went back into the temple to preach. Early that morning, they were out there again teaching the gospel and the good news of Jesus and healing people, and people were being saved. And so in verse 22, uh, verse 21, latter part of 21 says, Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate, so this is the Sanhedrin, these are the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought so they, they weren't even aware that the guys that they had put in prison the night before were out preaching and teaching the gospel. They gather together and tell us, hey, go get those guys we put in prison, only for that guy to go and find that they're not there any longer. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, we found the prison house locked, quiet, securely, and the guards standing at the door. But when we opened the door... We found no one inside. Isn't that like God? He did not disturb the prison guards at that time. He did not bother to let them know that he was going to make an escape for his apostles. Uh, but they quietly, miraculously got out of prison under locked doors. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them. And when what would come of this and wonder what will come of this. But someone came and reported to the, them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people, <laughs> doing the work of the ministry. No concern about their life, no concern about what others were thinking, no prayer meeting to see where they were going to go to get out of this city because they knew, you had to know, sure they had to know what was going to, assume that, hey, if we're out in this temple preaching again, they're going to come lay hands on us and maybe do even worse next time. 
But they weren't concerned about that. Their mission was to do what the Lord told them to do. Someone came and reported back to them. And then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence. For they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. And this hit me with a brick, uh, uh, like a brick earlier this week. Because uh, I was so concerned about what the people may say. He said, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. And the Lord said, Virgil, what are you afraid of? Are you going to be afraid of the people like the Sadducees? Or are you going to be do what I tell you to do? And that message holds truth for all of us. Are we going to be afraid of what our coworkers may think, our neighbors may think, what our friends or families may think? Or are we going to do what the Lord tells us to do? All the time, every time, without fail. And I wish I could say it's always easy. As you can see, it wasn't easy even today. Uh, And I wish I could say that no matter what, it's all going to be good. Cannot say that. Even the um, apostles and the followers of Jesus at this time in the early church, sometimes they got out of prison, sometimes they didn't. And many of them lives ended very unceremoniously. There were beheadings, there were killings, there were lynching, there were all kinds of things happened to the apostles because it was filtered through the hand of God. Even the bad is filtered through the hand of God. I was looking at one commentary and it said, you know, even Peter, I mean, Paul, who wrote uh, a lot of the New Testament, uh, was beheaded. And he said there were sometimes when he performed miracles and was able to get out of prison. There were sometimes he stayed in prison. And a lot of times when he was in prison for longer periods of time, he was writing the books of the New Testament. And so to look back on that, to say, look what God, had, look what God was doing in that moment. Because he was just thinking he's in prison just to be in prison for a longer period of time. But God was using what he was doing even then so that we are blessed by what he's doing. So you don't know the eternal witness or power that you may have in your struggle. What may be coming out of it years to come. You may be just looking at the moment and saying, man, I'm in this prison. Last time you got me out, I sang praises. Well, I tried it this time and the praises ain't working. What's going on? But the Lord has an eternal good that, again, is working in your life and in the lives of those around you that you may not even be aware of. I'm sure Paul is not aware that we are using the words that he wrote as life to us now. He was just being obedient in prison, writing the books. I'm sure there were just letters then. They weren't even books. They were just letters to other churches, encouraging them while he was in prison, chastising and disciplining them and giving them doctrine while he was in prison. There was such beauty in knowing that God can use you even in your worst state to bring out a greater good. God is good, (laughs) y'all. All the time, God is good. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned, this is verse 27. The high priest questioned them saying, 
we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and doctrines in some uh, versions and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So the one they were concerned about filling Jerusalem with his teachings, they didn't like that. Of course, it was a popularity contest for them. They didn't like that the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ was going forth in Jerusalem. But then they thought that the reason they were doing this is to blame them for killing Jesus. And the intent of the apostles' heart was so was definitely not the case to blame them. Well, maybe it was to blame them, but to blame them for to repentance, not so that they would be punished, <laughs> not to get them in trouble. <laughs> but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. He said this already. So again, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Senate, the religious Senate at that time is saying the same thing. And I'm sure that Peter and John are like, we told you before what we were going to do when y'all told us this. When y'all gave us this ultimatum, we said, hey, we're going to do what the Lord told us to do. And they said again, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. So Peter <laughs> is chastising him again. Maybe that's why they believe they thought he, they wanted to bring him up on charges for killing Jesus. He is the one whom God exalted in his right hand and is as a prince and a savior to great repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So the end goal is to bring repentance to Israel forgiveness of sin, not to bring them up on charges and put them in jail. And we are witnesses of these things. And so were they. And so the Holy Spirit whom God has given those who obey him, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God had given those who obey him. Peter's been really clear about, hey, this is what we're here for. This is the life that we, this Zoe life that we're going to get to in a minute. And uh, so then we have Gamaliel's counsel. But when they heard this, and this is verse 33, they were cut too quick and intended to kill them. They were angry. And so their motives now were to kill the apostles. They wanted to get rid of them. But the Pharisees, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And so this is important because Gamaliel was a, Sadduce, a Pharisee, and the Sadducees really wanted to kill Jesus, uh, kill the apostles, because one, they didn't believe in angels, they didn't believe in the resurrection, they didn't believe in uh, heaven. I, I don't know how they were a religious sect, they didn't believe in anything uh, religious. <laughs> but nonetheless, they really wanted to put them to death. And so they wanted to get others involved in their plan. And so that's why they sought the counsel of the Pharisees. And the chief Pharisee among them was uh, Gamaliel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> For some time ago, so then Gamaliel gives them, he's a, what they consider to be a wait-and-see approach, which was wise uh, for that moment. But it would have been wiser to say, look, we saw what happened to this man. We see the miracles. We should believe like they believe. And we'll see later that some of them do, be, uh, and uh, especially in verse 6, we'll see that some of them do begin to believe. And some of those leaders become uh, leaders within the church, the early church. Um, but in verse 35, it said, he said to them, men of Israel, take care 
what you propose to do with these men. She said, be careful about what you propose to do. For sometime Thaddeus rose up, or Thaddeus. So he said, this guy Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody. And a group of about 400 men joined him, uh, joined with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the senses and drew away some people with him, he too perished, and all those who followed him scattered. So, in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. I think this is the Lord, the Holy Spirit working through Gamaliel, even before he knew who the Holy Spirit was, I'm sure. He said, leave them alone, for it is this plan, if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you will make even, you may even be found fighting against God. And he was saying then, what's the use of us fighting against God? We will not win that battle. So let, let them, let's leave them alone and let's see what will happen. Uh, they took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. And they knew that they were going to speak in the name of Jesus. And what the, so the response of the apostles was so important because so they went on their way, the apostles, away from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. How many of you, us, after being flogged, beat, bloodied, jailed, will leave rejoicing, saying, I am so grateful that God used me in this moment. I don't think any of us would. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we would. I wouldn't initially. <laughs> oh, I would really have to press and pray, Lord, Lord, I know, I, you, know we, you know how we are. I want to make sure this is you, Lord. <laughs> it was me before, it was me after, it's me in, in all of this. Uh, Lord, we need to have a prayer meeting and get together with some saints because I don't believe me getting beat or chastised at work or joked on or, or even demoted because of you is what, we, we live such a life so comfortable. And we assume that God wants us <laughs> to be comfortable. <laughs> Uh, even when he uh, <laughs> had his son to die on the cross for our sins. <laughs> but we're not meant to live a life of comfort. We, we're meant to live a life of his using. So sometimes there will be comfort. Sometimes there will be distress. Sometimes things will go well and you will be out of prison and miraculous things will happen. And then sometimes it seems like you're by yourself and you're alone and nothing is going right. So many times we say, oh, that's the devil, that's the enemy. We're fighting against that. But the truth is God may be using you in that moment, testing you in that moment to see what you're made of, to see what's going to come out of you, to see what growth 
he has seen or will see in you. So let's not discount the struggles that we have as the enemy. I think the enemy gets blamed on so much. It's interesting. I had a pastor who used to say, uh, in Genesis, the devil was a snake, and by Revelations, we built him up to be a dragon. <laughs> and that's our doing, because we attribute so much to him. And the truth is, God may be testing us. The truth is, a lot of it is just consequences to our behavior. We don't want to hear that. Though. All the words of this life. What are the words of this life? Um, the Zoe life is, uh, Zoe means, let me get to this here. I want to read it correctly. It's, um, it's a life that's completely sustained by, G, by God. My life is completely sustained by him and the word of God. Zoe, that is the Zoe life, life that is sustained by God. In his word. Now all of us, life comes from God. We know that. And all of us has that life, the potential to have Zoe life. Um, because one, we come from God. He sustains all life and he could take it away in a matter of minutes if he wanted to. But then also the word of God is the second part. So we are sustained by him because he is God. He's eternal. But then now we must be also sustained by his word. And his word made flesh is Jesus, Jesus, his doctrine, his commandments is what we live by. So in Matthew, um, I think this is interesting. You see Zoe used in a couple different verses in the New Testament, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in, it, in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to Zoe, and there are few who find it. So many times you may ask, so why are there few who find this Zoe life? So many of us are following the crowd, and we go with the wide gate, but not looking at what the apostles would say is what we should be doing. Following that narrow gate, not being led or looking to man to approve of us, but really sustained by being approved by God and God alone. Matthew 18, 8 and 9 it says, If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into Zoe, lame and maimed, rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into Zoe, this life sustained by God and his word, rather than having two eyes and be cast into hell. That's how important this Zoe life is. He said, if it offends you, if it's preventing you from living the life that I call you to live, which is being sustained by me and my word, then get rid of it. Whatever it is. Now, we can identify, gosh, we won't want to cut our hand and foot off. That is extreme, or our eye out. But that's what he's saying. It's, it's that important. And you would say to yourself, man, it would have to be something real important for me to want to cut my hand off 
I'll pluck my eye out. And here's the word is God, Jesus is saying, this life is so important. This Zoe life is so important to you that you need to be real, willing to get rid of anything that prevents you from living it. Matthew 19, 16 through 22, and it says, Someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do so that I may obtain eternal zoe, eternal life sustained by you and by your word? He said to him, Why are you asking me about that, what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you want to enter zoe, keep my commandments. Then he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder, you know, we don't want to kill people and say, hey, we've done that. Uh, we, we've not murdered anyone, but sometimes we murder people with our tongue. We kill people's dreams. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we talked about these in the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. That some of these things are, look easy to do in the beginning, but realizing that it is a heart issue at heart. Because in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is preaching, you've already committed adultery if you looked at someone, uh, lusted upon a woman. And it's important to realize what he was trying to get at is that it is your heart that needs to be redeemed. Not you trying to keep the letter of the law, but realizing that your heart needs to be changed. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What am I still lacking? I would say humility. But <laughs> and Jesus said to him, if you want to be complete or full or whole, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. And what he's saying is, hey, give up all those earthly possessions that you have and follow me. But the young man heard this statement. He went away grieving, for he, had, he was one who had owned much property. How important is this Zoe life? It is one that when Jesus says, you need to give up all you have for me. I'm going to leave you with uh, this commentary. Matthew Henry, concise commentary, says, there is no prison so dark. So strong, but God can visit his people in it. And if he pleases, fetch them out. Recoveries from sickness, releases out of trouble are granted. Not that we may enjoy the comforts of life, but that God may be honored with the service of our life. It is not for preachers of Christ's gospel to retire into corners as long as they can have an opportunity of preaching in the great congregation, they must preach to the lowest, whose souls are as precious to Christ as the souls of the greatest. Speak to all, for all are concerned. Speak to those who resolve to stand by it, to live and die by it. Speak all the words of this heavenly, divine life in comparison to which the present earthly life does not deserve the name. These words of life, which the Holy Ghost puts into your mouth, the words of the gospel are the words of life, the Zoe life. Words whereby we may be saved. How rich are those 
who are vexed at the success of the gospel. They cannot but see that the word and the power of the Lord are against them, and yet they go on. Are we going to be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, be more concerned about what men may say or do? Or are we really going to be concerned about what God is saying and doing and wants us to do? Our lives are as of a service to him, not for our own comfort. So I plead with you as we go into this new year <laughs> to live your life as a service unto God and not unto yourself. Amen. You may stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.